Hi everyone, welcome to the Backpack Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Bauer. This podcast is dedicated to sharing research suggestions and stories from the people who have helped shape the field of gifted education and talent development. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Talent Development at Northwestern. CTD has amazing weekend, online, and summer programs for gifted students. For more information, go to ctd.northwestern.edu. Again, that is ctd.northwestern.edu, and check out all the amazing enrichment opportunities provided by the Center for Talent Development. As one of the most widely used terms in education today, differentiation seems to have reached the peak of its popularity. But what does it truly mean to differentiate? And is it a realistic instructional strategy in meeting the needs of our gifted population? To help guide us in this conversation, we have our guest, Dr. Todd Kettler. Dr. Kettler is an assistant professor in the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of North Texas, and the author of the book, Modern Curriculum for Gifted and Advanced Academic Students. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kettler. Thank you, Andy. Dr. Kettler, the foundation of your book is about gifted education curriculum. But in it, you state that it's really difficult to find an agreement on the goals of gifted education. Can you describe why it's so difficult to find this agreement? It's a great question, Andy, and I, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up. Is uh, I think it's difficult to design curriculum if you're not clear about what the goal is. And, sure. and, and that's why uh, I wrote about that in, in modern curriculum, is that ultimately any act of development should be an intentional act to accomplish some goal uh, with the learners that we're working with. And so if we're not clear on what the goal of gifted education is, it's difficult at best and maybe even impossible to accurately develop curriculum because we don't know necessarily what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, I proposed a few goals uh, when I wrote Modern Curriculum, uh, in, in uh, particularly in my first chapter. And, uh, and in, in that uh, goal statement, I suggested that our, our goal should be to develop kids who are elite achievers uh, and uh, develop uh, elite levels of talent in one or more areas that they uh, display aptitude and interest in. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's a good starting point. And, and I say that that's a good starting point for curriculum, but it doesn't mean that I'm opposed to goals of self, self-actualization. I think self-actualization happens along the way while we're also working toward the advanced achievement. But it's difficult to create curriculum for self-actualization. It's not difficult to create curriculum for elite levels of talent development particularly when you get content experts and education experts at the table, uh, we have enough expertise and research to know how to develop those uh, curriculum documents and those scope and sequence uh, uh, opportunities for kids. So I suggest that we have to find some agreement. And if I'm working uh, at large for gifted education or if I'm working with a single school uh, or even a English department within a school, uh, my first suggestion is that in order to create good curriculum, we have to address the question of what's the goal that we're trying to accomplish with the curriculum. And I recommend that uh, advanced achievement, some type of elite level of uh, talent, uh, is a good starting place. And I really liked the metaphor you used in the book about the elite baseball programs uh, and their explicit goals to help bring students to achieve and reach elite levels of performance. And I thought that was a brilliant way of showing goal setting within talent development in itself. I think what you see in that example, uh, Andy, is that uh, when the kids and the, and the teachers both understand the goal, not only is it easier for the teachers to develop the curriculum or the curriculum makers to develop the curriculum, but the kids, uh, the students have uh, 
a more intense level of motivation because we're all on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that's why it works beautifully in athletics, works beautifully in fine arts. Uh, sometimes whenever the teachers have a goal of advanced achievement in mathematics and the students have this perspective of, I'm not that interested in mathematics, uh, sure. then we, we have a little bit of a mismatch. Uh, but it works nicely when, when everybody's on the same page. And, and uh, I would rather see more opportunities for the educators and within a educational system and the students to be on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish goal-wise. And then it makes it easier for the curriculum design and it makes it easier uh, for the students to know the level of uh, expectation, what the level of commitment is going to be required. Interesting. And with technology continually evolving, in what ways will technology and information change the way that we think about gifted curriculum and advanced academics? Great question, Andy. I know um, we, we touched on that a little bit in the book uh, as well. Um, for instance, let me give you my, my most concrete example. I've, I've worked with school districts uh, for a number of years, and one of the things that we might talk about occasionally is acceleration, why we should ex have acceleration options available for kids. As absurd as it sounds, one of the uh, resisting comments that I still receive to this day is if we, such, such things as if we excel the students in mathematics, we're going to run out of courses in our mathematics uh, offering. And my first thought is, wow, you're, you're not thinking very big if, if, you're, yeah. if you're limiting yourself to the courses right here at this school, because we have enough technology uh, that are amazing. And I know uh, Northwestern offers uh, opportunities along those lines, as well as does Johns Hopkins, uh, Stanford offers courses. Uh, it's not hard to find the courses. So I think what we, we find, are we still have some limited thinking where we have some school systems that aren't thinking uh, outside the box in terms of how they can access courses for their students. But I think it's bigger than that. I mean, I think that's a very concrete example, uh, but it's the idea that information is out there. The teacher's not the sole possessor of all of this content expertise. We're teaching the students to not only be consumers, but uh, discoverers, inquirers, uh, seeking new information on their own. So I think it, when, we when we design curriculum, Sort of this old school model is making sure we build in all of the stuff. And I think this newer, more uh, appropriate modern approach, given our technology and information infrastructure, is that we want the students to exercise their role in finding the information. So the curriculum becomes this flexible document driven by guiding questions, driven by uh, expectations of what we want kids to know but yet the, uh, the responsibility of accessing some of that information falls not only on the teacher's shoulders, but ultimately on the student's shoulders as well. I think they bring a different level of motivation and ownership to the learning space when we build curriculum in that manner. And this is something you're seeing more and more of in education, that educators are transitioning to becoming facilitators and putting the onus on students to take ownership in their learning. I think the students walk away from that curriculum experience uh, more confident in their own ability to learn so so that the learning experience doesn't end there but they've also feel like they've built this capacity that that you know what if i if i want to learn about uh, you know an ancient empire i mean i it's there i can go access it all i all i needed was a teacher to help me build sort of these these schema these this infrastructure of understanding but then i can go and find the information to to complete my understanding on the topic Dr. Kettler, your book focuses on differentiation. Um, and what I want to know is, what are some of the more powerful barriers that prevent differentiated practices 
from being effectively implemented? Uh, great question again, Andy. One of the one of the most common questions I might ask teachers is, you know, you know, to, you know, not do you differentiate because I don't know that everybody answers it honestly uh, sure. or even knows how to answer it honestly. But I, I might ask this question, pose this question to teachers: What are the biggest barriers? In my experience, the number one response I get is time. Teachers will say, well, differentiation requires a tremendous amount of time. There's not enough time in the day to accomplish all my teaching, my grading, my lesson planning, my contacting parents, going to faculty meetings. It's just not simply not enough time. So I think that that's one of the barriers that is very concrete out there. Uh, I, I think another barrier um, I find in my experience is classroom management, even teachers that find the time, have the desire to differentiate, struggle with how to manage a classroom where students may not uh, all be working on the same thing at the same time or at the same pace. So, so I think that just the, the capacity to manage a classroom that is not whole group instruction uh, is still a barrier. And I, I feel like we've been working on that for a long time, but it, it remains a barrier. But those are barriers that I think we can train, right? I, I think with enough training and enough coaching, I think we can get teachers past that. The barriers that scare me more, Andy, are when I when I talk to like I, I talked to one teacher recently, and she said, um, "Well, she said I don't know about differentiation. What I think we should do is just teach every kid as if he or she's gifted." And my first, and at first that sounds like such an, an innocuous comment, like it sounds so harmless. Yeah. But what I really think is that it's a it's a comment that uh, disregards the concept of a a uh, specialized curriculum for gifted and talented students. And, and obviously I, you know, my, one of my main career focus uh, areas for years has been studying curriculum for gifted kids and designing curriculum for gifted kids. And when I hear somebody say, well, let's just teach everybody like they're gifted. Well, my first thought is, well, then what you're really saying is that there's no such thing as a specialized curriculum for gifted kids because uh, we just give everybody the same curriculum. So I think that's the barrier that scares me more than anything, because that's not something I can just train you to be better at. That's a disposition. That's a belief statement that seems to disregard the, the very idea of an advanced curriculum specifically designed for advanced learners uh, in a content area. So to me, that's the barrier that I probably lay awake at night worried about more than it, because I can't just go train you to be better at that. Uh, so, so I, I think the barriers are, are certainly multifaceted. Some are easier to train uh, uh, to overcome than others. Some tend to be more attitudinal uh, disposition barriers that I, I find very difficult to overcome. Uh, but, but I don't think we give enough credit to the content expertise required to be a really good differentiating teacher. I think it takes strategies, it takes classroom management, it takes a disposition and a willingness to differentiate. But in the end, it also takes content expertise, that you've got to know this content deep and wide so that you can carry those students from where they are to uh, elite levels of talent development. And you just described some of the barriers to effectively implement differentiation. Uh, the question then becomes, should gifted education reclaim differentiation or abandon the practice altogether for a reconceptualized pedagogy and curriculum for the gifted? That's one of the questions we posed uh, in the book um, and it's a question that is a fascinating topic of discussion i i sometimes think we sold our soul to uh differentiation when i say we sold our soul to differentiation 
uh, it, it may sound sort of bleak or harsh, uh, but but I worry that we we've gone down this pathway that allows people to say, well, we'll just differentiate for everybody. And then the very meaning of what it means to have gifted education or curriculum for gifted education seems to either be tossed aside or disregarded altogether. So when I think about this question that you pose, should we really work to reclaim differentiation or should we look to uh, a new, new pedagogies of what gifted education and gifted curriculum might look like? I think I'm going to fall quote more on the side of uh, let's look at those new horizons. Let's imagine how we can conceptualize uh, really great curriculum for gifted kids uh, that is bigger than differentiation. It's not just a little tweak here and there. It is this intentionally designed scope and sequence that would lead to advanced uh, or elite uh, levels of achievement, elite levels of talent. That's not the same as tweaking a little bit here and there. Uh, in my experience working with teachers in classrooms, I, I, I spent um, I spent about 12 years as a uh, coordinator of gifted programs and director of advanced academics. And in 12 years, I was in lots of classrooms. And uh, I noticed what I refer to occasionally as random acts of differentiation. Teachers were taught they should differentiate. They realized, wow, this kid's already got it. I need to do something different. But the differentiation was not goal directed. It wasn't develop, It wasn't necessarily aligned with a concern of developing, you know, advanced talent. It was well. I just need to do something different. You know, boom. Here's something different. Well, in order to, I think when we're living within this paradigm of differentiation, we have we either have no differentiation or we have random acts of differentiation, but rarely do we have clearly goal-directed systematic differentiation. So I think a, maybe a better approach is let's just think differently. Let's imagine, let's take on questions of uh, grouping and arrangement. Uh, if you ask me, I think we should have you know more uh, cluster grouping, more uh, whole class grouping, uh, where those students are getting advanced curriculum specifically designed for gifted kids. And it should look different. It should look different than what's going on in the typical classroom. Uh, so I think I would probably fall more in that on that side of the question than on perfecting differentiation. Uh, in all honesty, I think we've been tackling this differentiation question since about the 1980s. We need to look past differentiation and think a little bigger. What is a pedagogy of gifted education? Well, I think it's advanced content. I think it's a bigger emphasis on really complex thinking skills. I think it's a goal-directed mission toward elite levels of talent development and productivity, helping kids figure out what their identity is as scholars, as inquirers within various fields of expertise. Well, that's bigger than just saying, I'm gonna tweak an assignment here and there uh, and I'm afraid that the the longer we stick on the you know this path of uh, differentiating, uh, we're going to continue to get random acts of differentiation, a little tweak here and there, but nothing systematic, nothing significant in terms of student outcomes. And you had mentioned advanced content, and I want to get back to that. Uh, in what ways has the emergence of content standards changed curriculum design, and specifically curriculum design in gifted education? Well. You know, we've had content standards for a number of years, but they probably didn't make the news uh, and, uh, quite like they did uh, when the Common Core comes along. Uh, so uh, for better or worse, we all started talking about content standards a few years ago uh, because of a political movement that brought us the Common Core. Uh, in my opinion, it's been a good thing that we all have this conversation. 
Um, content standards are a backbone of curriculum. Content standards uh, are there to guide and sequence learning. Uh, so I'm going to go on record and say, first of all, that's positive, right? Uh, we don't have uh, we don't have teachers just coming in and saying, you know what, I love this topic, I'm going to teach it. But rather, there's an expectation that these are the standards that kids are supposed to master. From a curriculum standpoint, that's a real positive. The part that gets a little scary in gifted education is when the content standard is looked at as the ceiling of the learning, not as the foundation of the learning. And I know even when Common Core came along, there, you know, there were some, you know, concerns that this is really rigorous curriculum, uh, both the language arts and the mathematics side of it. Uh, maybe we don't even need differentiation for gifted kids. I mean, after all, look at these standards. Well, great. You know, I think it went, and I and I, I'm trying to spell this out in the in modern curriculum that maybe what if we think of curriculum and you know multiple levels and, and one level of curriculum is a content standard. But that's like if you want to use the metaphor of building a house, like those are the studs uh, that form the walls. But then eventually you've got to come and put something on those studs. You've got to put some wood or some sheetrock and then you've got to decorate and paint and you've got to put baseboards and crown moldings and windows. But the, the content standards are just the studs uh, that sort of give the foundation and structure to a curriculum. They're not the ceiling uh, and they shouldn't be looked upon as the, uh, as, as the end. That's, that's all the kids are going to do. Uh, the other thing that we can do with content standards I believe is we can, uh, it helps me define what advanced content is. So let's imagine you sit down with a third grade teacher and you say, hey, we're trying to build a gifted curriculum. We need advanced content. And she looks at me and says, well, Todd, what do you mean? What's advanced content? I said, well, a good starting place is if these are the third grade standards for mathematics, uh, advanced content would be if you taught the fourth or the fifth grade standards. Uh, in a layered way so that you make sure the kids understand the third grade, but then when you differentiate, instead of random acts of differentiation, instead of using a math puzzle, maybe you go from the third grade standards on how to understand multiplication and you start teaching the fourth and fifth grade standards on how to understand multiplication and division. I said that's that's way more productive than just saying, well, now that you've mastered the third grade standards, I'm going to differentiate with a with a, a more enriching kind of puzzle that might be really fun, but it's not long-term productive in terms of leading towards those kind of goals we're talking about. So content standards help us define what advanced content is. Like, you know, hey, that's what you're supposed to do at this grade, but look up, look up the ladder a little bit and you can get a sense of what advanced content is. And so I think that's been a positive from the uh, uh, positive use of content standards. Now it gets a little more troubling when we get to the high school courses where you say, all right, there's nowhere to go. Like this is the highest level of content standard we have, but that's where I, like I mentioned earlier that really having sophisticated content expertise, I think is important uh, for teachers within the gifted program uh, because they have to go beyond where the content standards are gonna stop. But it starts with this disposition that the content standards are the framework not the ceiling, not the end goal uh, per se, but rather they form a framework on how we're going to do uh, or build curriculum. Well, that is all the questions we have, Dr. Kettler. We really appreciate you coming on and being our guest. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Andy. I, I think you can probably tell by uh, uh, our interactions that this is, these are topics I really enjoy talking about. And, <laughs> and, and I think that uh, there's still plenty of work to be done in helping teachers uh, sort of solve some of their problems in their classrooms, helping them figure out how to be uh, uh, good teachers of gifted kids. But uh, 
I think really taking a hard look at what curriculum is and how we design it is at the heart of gifted education. It's bigger than differentiation. It's bigger than a strategy here and there. It's this fundamental principle of building sequenced and rigorous learning experiences that are a good fit for our, our, our learners. Well, that is it for this episode of the Backpack Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Todd Kettler, and the Center for Talent Development for helping us put this on. Just a reminder, the Center for Talent Development has amazing weekend, online, and summer programs for gifted students. Additionally, CTD offers programs in professional development and school services support for both educators and school districts. All of this can be found at CTD's website at www.ctd.northwestern.edu. As always, thanks for listening.